over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm winding up a week's worth of broadcasting where WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. But the show that gets the most calls, the most attention, and people have the most interaction with is the Animal Welfare Hour that I do every week with my wife, Nancy. And, uh, Nancy, as you heard me right before we made the transition to the Animal Welfare Hour, I should have listened to you years ago about horse racing. It has become an extraordinarily barbaric sport. I've never seen animals dying at this rate before. It's like every race. There are more and more of them. And these are these are high-profile races and high-profile tracks, uh, racing tracks, that have been involved in the Triple Crown. They had them in Churchill Downs. They've shut down Churchill Downs. They have no more racing there now. Pimlico, there was a horse that died now, too, at the Belmont Stakes. What, what, what the hell is going on, Nancy? Yeah, uh, the, again, yes, sad to hear this is happening, and I'm not sure what's going on, but clearly there's a complete lack of oversight, and given what's been happening lately, I'm surprised that this is occurring because you would think, okay, they, you know, they realize, okay, the attention's on them, the industry is clearly, you know, on the ropes because people are really upset about this, so I'm surprised that this is continuing to happen so quickly. Um, but again, it, it just speaks volumes of how little oversight there is over this industry and, and how much in danger the horses are. You know, I pointed out as much as I've been to the races and have commented uh, on them here at WABC more than any other host uh, at WABC, uh, it took a caller from Long Island and yourself to remind me, look at what happens when the horses come out of the three-quarter turn and they're facing the finish line where you'll have win, lose, or draw. It's a lot of money at stake and a lot of races. And look at the jockeys whipping the horse. You know, I had become oblivious to that, but I said to myself, you know, if you did that to a human being, you'd be arrested. Probably turn right back into the streets, but you would at least be arrested. If you did it to a dog... You'd be erect, but horses? No, it's like this brings me back to the horse carriage situation during the hot, sweltering summer. We saw that one horse, he was down because he had passed out, and his carriage driver, remember, was whipping him, whipping him to try to get the horse to get, I mean, savagery. And somehow when they do it to horses, it's not connecting for us the way it would be if they did it to a human being or even a dog. Yeah, I mean, and again, clearly there's been no follow-up. I mean, as, as you know, um, much attention as that case did get with, you know, the horse going down and being whipped. Uh, I mean, it just it just goes to show the, the lack of accountability. I mean, nothing has happened. 
to the owner, to the person who perpetuated that. So, I mean, the, the lack of accountability is why this continues to happen. There's no repercussion for it. So, I mean, that's where things need to change. And still, with the horse carriage industry, uh, it remains a stalemate. The mayor supports uh, the horse carriage industry, the TWU Local 100, which represents men and women who deal with the subways and buses. What they have to do with the horse carriages is beyond me. And they still will not give relief to these magnificent animals, these horses. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why they continue to hang on to the horses. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a job security question, given that clearly they can, you know, basically be utilizing any sort of electric vehicle. So this this odd stranglehold they continue to have over living creatures for this business it makes no sense whatsoever. They clearly can't take care of them. They make no sense in the city. I mean, again, they need to be faced out. Let me give some good news with all the bad news that we talk about on the uh, on the Animal Welfare Hour. Uh, you worked very hard, and your team, Nancy, as did City Councilman Robert Holden with Rob Becerra and his team. They went out there. They got signatures to qualify for the very first-time candidates running in the city council manic elections coming up on June 27th. Oh, that's the primary. And then the election is November 7th, the general election. But there are two candidates who have qualified to run on the animal welfare line. That's Robert Holden. Everybody knows he's a great animal lover. And our candidate, Kelly Klingman, the Republican candidate in Astoria to take out AOC and uh, Tiffany Caban. And both of them got the signatures necessary. It is now qualified as a line. We can announce that. Well, where's my applause? Come on. You guys are busy talking in there. You know, you go, you want to talk? Uh, go get a sandwich. Run around the block. We're doing a show here. Where's my applause? This is big news here. For the first time. There is an animal welfare line in any election anywhere in the country, and a lot of people stood online to sign Bob Holden's uh, petitions on the animal welfare line and obviously our own candidate, Kelly Klingman. It's a magnificent effort, magnificent. People, they didn't mind signing this. It's like you could be a Bush supporter, a Trump supporter. Oh, we love animals. It brings people together, Nancy. I mean, and and in many ways, this really is what politics should be about. I mean, you're talking about issues. It's not about the candidate. It's about what matters to people. And, you know, time and again in New York City, there are so many people who are animal lovers and they support a lot of um, animal rights issues. It's just that, you know, no one's really put it under a singular umbrella. So it's nice to have it as something at the forefront, because if someone really does support uh, you know, the important things like no-kill shelters. I mean, you want to know who those people are, and that's why this line is so important. You know, uh, we suffered a setback when I ran for mayor. Uh, we had so many of our volunteers go out and collect signatures for what would have been the first-ever animal welfare line when I ran for mayor. Obviously, I was a Republican. I had another independent line. Very important because there are a lot of people, Democrats, who would never vote for a Republican wouldn't even vote for a Republican if it was their own father or mother. And then we delivered 225,000 signatures. 
10 times the number of signatures necessary to qualify. And we were knocked off the ballot. And it wasn't the Democrats, Nancy. It wasn't not one Democrat. It was our fellow Republicans. And you worked hard, and Robert Sarah and Grace Navarro worked hard, and a lot of volunteers. People were lining up to say, oh, I, I could support Curtis because of animal welfare. And our own Republicans went to the Board of Elections, challenged our signatures, and in the middle of a pandemic, a lockdown, where it's difficult to even get anybody to talk to you, never mind sign a petition, we delivered 25,000 signatures, and my fellow Republican said, F. Sliwa, this is personal to him, knocked us off the ballot. We remember watching that on TV because you couldn't go to the Board of Elections because of the lockdown and pandemic, and I remember you were, like, crying. You, were, you couldn't believe what our fellow Republicans, not one Democrat said, no, Democrats are saying, Leave it alone. Come on. Curtis ain't going to win anyway. Why do we want to knock off uh, the animal welfare line? Everybody loves animals. I mean, yeah, it's it's odd technicalities when you really uh, go against the will of the public at large. I mean, this is what people wanted. So why in the world would you not allow it to go forward? I mean, really, you're just subverting the will of the the voters. That's, That's not right. Well, they said it was personal. They knew it would hurt me and you. And you know when you try to hurt you, I come back at them with a vengeance. I will never forgive them. I will never forget them. Some of them are listening right now. You did hurt us, but you hurt the animals because we would have been well ahead in trying to stop these kill shelters. There would be no kill shelters, and we would at least have an advantage in trying to stop the barbaric treatment of horses in the horse carriage industry. The other day... Nancy, right? It was like Wednesday. There was orange in the sky. It, it looked like Donald Trump, and it looked like uh, Sid Rosenberg coming out of a tanning bed in a tanning salon. It was 500 percentage. It was the, the worst ever calculated uh, air mass density that was dangerous. And they didn't, they didn't pull those horses until late in the day. Late in the day. Yeah, it had to actually be brought to to, uh, to their attention and, you know, uh, be called out, which, again, is ridiculous because there's basic standards that exist for the horses to be operating, and that clearly fell outside of the norm. I mean, later on in the day, they wound up, um, you know, pulling animals from zoos throughout the city as well. Like, they recognize, I mean, just to be standing there in a, a zoo setting doesn't make sense. And here it took them this long to realize that a working animal, which is pretty much what they're forcing them to do, oh, they shouldn't be working in these conditions. I mean, that's that just shows how little attention they give to these beautiful creatures. Remember the mayor, and rightfully so, was giving an update about every two hours, a press conference, and he had the army behind him, <laughs> especially that schmuck Katz who runs our hospital corporation. Now, Nancy, this guy looks like he's in a drug-induced psychosis. There's like 20 people behind. He's walking around. He's picking his nose. He's looking all over the place. He's like, get the nets, put a straitjacket on this guy, and take him to Bellevue. 
And yeah, he's, the so, he's the so-called expert. He's got black in his hair. You can see he used Esquire shoe polish. He's got the great. The guy's a crazy maniac. And he's the head of the Hospitals Corporation of New York. So anyway, so Adams is giving the updates, as he should, as the mayor. And then a reporter asked, said, what about the horse-drawn carriages? And they looked at all the so-called experts that were assembled there, you know, the army of zombies. They all stare in the camera. And nobody had an answer. They didn't even think of the horse-drawn carriages and the horses that were breathing in the same soot that all of us were breathing in. Yet they had to schlep around, you know, with uh, whatever tourists were left out in the streets from Iowa, Nebraska, Germany, and Japan. Yeah, I mean, and, and these are the same people who are responsible for overseeing their care. And and there is the problem right there that, you know, you, you can't have um, different politicians who aren't really focused on this. And, that, and that's what's going on. There's no oversight on overall animal welfare. That's what's lacking in New York City, an actual um, effective um, animal welfare agency that really oversees a lot of these issues and make sure that it's prioritized. I mean, again, the way this, the shelter system is run, I mean, there's, there's no focus on it being no kill. That's the problem. I mean, again, there's a lot of um, issues that can be tackled if we had a meaningful animal welfare agency. And the guy who is like uh, Bambi staring into the lights, totally lost, was this Dr. Mitchell Katz. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen... I and Nancy, we laugh our ass off every time we see this guy. He is such, he's so lost. He is the president and chief executive officer of the NYC Health Hospitals, the largest municipal health care system in the United States. Oh, my God, are we in trouble. Oh, my God. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. You'll be able to spot him at the next Eric Adams press conference. The guy is lost. 1-800-848-9222. Now, this leads to the question of, because they've said that this smoke may return because these wildfires may go on all summer long, not just in the maritime provinces near Halifax uh, uh, in uh, the northeast, but also in Quebec. And the, the winds, they call it the Chinook. The winds, uh, which actually could bring the cinders out to the wheat fields where there are forests in Saskatchewan, Regina, Winnipeg. There may be fires there, too. So what what should folks consider, especially in dealing with uh, other pets, pets of all different types, if, in fact, we're under this uh, smoke emergency alert again? What can we do for our furry, four-legged friends and family members? Well, I mean, it it definitely would be uh, very similar to what you would uh, just do as a person, right? You're suggesting uh, staying indoors, um, you know, having whatever the environment is as sealed as possible and and things like that. So that becomes an issue with dogs, for instance. So if people are walking them, you know, you would be, um, you know, that would be a concern. I mean, obviously with cats, indoor pets, it's not as big an issue if you're containing your environment. But it seems like dogs are really the issue now. There have been people throughout New York City who started putting masks on their dogs this uh, this past week. I'm not sure if you've seen any of those people. But, yeah, I'm not sure how advisable that is or how um, effective that is. But if your dog is outside, you know, basic things. It's like, you know, um, 
uh, washing out their um, their eyes and their their nose uh, with you know uh, things that can you know maybe make sure that like anything that sort of uh, got into their system. So you know you, you'd wash them off or um, you'd rinse off their face, their eyes, anything like that. Um, obviously their paws if they're coming into contact with anything. But I think it's really about limiting the the time outdoors if possible. I noticed that with the cats in our apartment on the Upper West Side, you normally on a nice stage, you have the windows wide open so they can hang outside, you know, without jumping out. And really, like, uh, they love to stare at all the activity and especially look for rats and mice that may be running by that keeps them alert. But uh, you hermetically sealed up all those windows. (laughs) I mean, you would have thought we were the bubble boy, bubble girl (laughs) With the uh, all the rescue cats, well, I mean it's it's so easy um, to smell like th- that um, smoky smell that was uh, drifting through the city the past couple of days. I mean, unless you did you seal the windows, it would seep through, and it was very strong. I mean, it, like when it first hit, it was fine. The next morning, I thought it had gone away, and within the afternoon, then it came back. So it's like the smell is really strong. Um, I know it was bothering me. I mean the Obviously, the cats, they're much more sensitive with their smell, so I'm sure it's bothering them as well. And also, it's the things that are within um, the smoke itself, so it's like the soot. So it's not that you're just smelling something that is, uh, you know, disagreeable. It's that there's uh, particles within the air that, you know, can mess with their system. And because they're smaller, obviously, the particles are, you know, more, um, you know, uh, detrimental to their system than it would be to us. So that's why it's more important to keep um, pets inside it when possible. Now, you were monitoring uh, the air quality. What is that figure they call? Because it got up, I think, to, what, 500 on the, the decibel level. What is that whole monitoring thing called? Well, you know, it, it seems like everyone has different monitoring systems because I was watching the official city tally, which seems to be higher than what the, the Weather Channel was saying. So apparently they measure it different, but... It has to do with a particulate in the air. So, uh, you know, either way, like no matter how it was being measured, um, what was going on was that the particles in the air, they're so heavy. So, for instance, I have the problems with, um, uh, you know, with pollen. So I can and I can feel that the breathing issues going on and I could feel the increased issues going on with this as well. So, I mean, it, it was saying that. Even obviously, if you had any breathing issues, it was going to exacerbate it. But even people without issues, it was going to cause a problem for because there was so much within the air. So, I mean, again, it was I think people were just probably caught off guard. And if you got it at the front end and you weren't thinking about it, you probably were experiencing headaches and lightheadedness, things like that. You know, long before you were born and some of our listeners, I was a little kid. Uh, we'd go out uh, and visit the Polish side of our family in Chicago. My father was a merchant seaman. He'd be home. He'd load us all up. Uh, his old Betsy, 54 Ford station wagon, wood panels, white wall tires. And he would take the circuitous uh, route to Chicago. And it always seemed like we drove through Pittsburgh, which was orange, from the active steel mills. It smelled like rotten eggs, you know, that sulfur smell. But it had an orange hue, and you could smell the city approaching it. We went through Youngstown, Ohio, the same thing. We went through Gary, Indiana, before getting into Chicago, the same thing. South side of Chicago had steel mills. It isn't the smell, even though the smell is what turns you off, you know, makes you nauseous. Some people, they they, they can't handle it. 
It's the particulae in the air that you can't see that are yeah. bad for the humans and the pets. Yeah, and, and again, that's why even um, the suggestion, like if you, you know, if you are bringing your dog outside for a walk, also be like wiping their eyes and things like that because anything that can fly into crevices, you know, I mean, they can't, obviously they can't uh, clean themselves off. You know, they're going to be apt to just, you know, start scratching themselves and then that types of issue. So, you know, any place where they can get these things on their body, you know, and, and again, especially with dogs, they're cleaning themselves all the time. So, you know, limiting the time outdoors is probably best. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's the Animal Welfare Hour, exclusive to WABC featuring uh, Nancy and yours truly, Curtis. WABC. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. Now, you know, this morning, Nancy, before I headed off for the Puerto Rican Day Parade, we went to the local deli. Mm-hmm. And we saw one of those compost uh, canisters that the mayor and the uh, Sanitation Commissioner Tish is demanding that everybody is going to have to have. They're going to have to separate their composting, you know, their their waste, uh, or they're going to get big fines. So guess who I met in the middle of the Puerto Rican Day Parade while having a conversation about our cats with the uh, two guys in the group, the sanitation department? Take a guess. The commissioner, the commissioner of sanitation, oh, really? Tish. So, oh, really? Yeah. So she comes up to me. She's all, uh, you know, she's all, oh, she's all flustered. We have so much in common, Curtis. We have so much in common. I say, lady, you were you were born and raised on Park Avenue in Manhattan. You had Jeeves, right? It was your limo driver who would pick up the trash. I grew up on Park Avenue in Brooklyn. I spent time at Park Avenue in the Bronx. Those are not Park Avenues in Manhattan. I said, lady, we have absolutely nothing in common. And a few of the sanitation guys wanted to uh, applaud, and I basically looked at them like, you you do not want to do that, or you may not have job security. But the sanitation guys were telling me that when they have to go to their depot where they park their trucks, you know, which is like a rat haven, they said they on the sly because the department won't allow them. Commissioner Tish probably doesn't even know about the, this rule to keep feral cats on the grounds to keep the rats away, so that when they get into the trucks to go on their runs in the morning, the 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 rats haven't secured their way into the cab because they want to stay warm. It's amazing, and this sort of goes side by side. With a huge article in the New York Times, when I first saw it, I said, oh, no, they want to do what they did in the outback in Australia and execute all the feral cats. Explain what that article is, because when you first look at the headline, you think they're talking about killing all the feral cats. Yeah, actually, this was a um, a, a great article um, in the sense that it brought to light what a lot of people do in New York City who are taking care of these feral cats, which is, you know, the spaying and neutering. So it's called TNR. This is, the you know, the, the method that a lot of uh, individuals and nonprofits are utilizing. 
to keep the populations down because there's so many. So again, the 500,000 number um, title in this story um, is this estimate. You know, I mean, again, rough estimate because there's no way to actually tell how many feral cats there are living outdoors. And it goes into, uh, you know, really detailing, um, you know, uh, what the process is of, you know, what what's being done with the people who are basically taking care of what the city should be taking care of, right? And herein lies the problem. The city shelter system, they act as nothing more than an intake center. So they haven't uh, prioritized or developed a no-kill model. So all they do is just take in um, any animal or, you know, animals strays from the street, and they, you know, if they can't adopt them, they euthanize them. They have no incentive, no protocol to, you know, to adopt them out. So when you're going through these stories now, the individuals who uh, spay and neuter the outdoor cats, the kitten mortality rate is 80%. So for all of these cats that aren't being um, fixed outdoors, there's that many that are perishing outdoors. So the focus of this article is really saying that a lot of these groups who are out there doing the spaying and neutering of these feral cats are suggesting that because the city shelter model is so inept at actually adopting out these you know, animals in the first place, what they really should be doing is fixing, focusing on the spaying and neutering of all these animals, which is the reason why they're in the shelter in the first place. So it's a focus of the money because, again, unfortunately, New York City hasn't prioritized. They haven't decided they want to be no kill. So they continue to be nothing more than, you know, bringing the animals in and euthanizing them. So if the money is going to that and they're the ones who are supposed to take care of the animals, this is, you know, why they're suggesting you have to put it on the front end and make sure that the population doesn't explode. And it's going to continue to explode unless you're addressing specifically the animals who live outdoors and are procreating nonstop. I mean, again, you have half a million. This is what they're estimating. There's more than that. So, and one example is like, you know, they're citing, you know, a lot of these um, different statements from um, groups and, you know, the city agency. Now, this is a perfect example. The Office of Animal Welfare, this is the, um, the office that came about because the public uh, you know, when there was um, uh, public hearings about what are issues of importance to people, one of the number one issues was an animal welfare agency creation. That happened several years ago. This agency was created. Unfortunately, it's never been, uh, you know, treated like a real agency. It's never addressed any issues. There's virtually no one working in this agency. The person who runs this agency, the director, said, oh, we're working closely with organizations to discuss how to better collaborate with groups who are doing this stuff. I mean, they're not even at the phase of doing anything actively. They're in the talking phase. That's how inept they are. So again, this just goes to show the New York City approach to helping animals is completely failing, but there's a lot of groups out there doing a good thing. So what we should do is focus on the groups that are having um, you know, good models, are actually able to adopt, are able to rescue these animals, and phase out giving money to animal care and control, which is an agency that does nothing but kill animals. That's true. And uh, this article, it's a, I believe, the New York Times magazine. It's Correct. it's a huge article. And what, do you remember what's the title of the article? So people can, you know, we have some of our listeners, they never want to well, read anything in the New York Times. Trust me, everything in the New York Times is not slanted. Uh, Nancy read the article. I just read the headline. I thought they were going to do what they did in Australia, which was kill the feral cats in the outback, which 
the Australia is the size of the United States, even though it's a continent. So Perth on the West Coast is like where L.A. is. Sydney and Melbourne on the East Coast is like where New York and Washington, D.C. are. And the, the middle of the country is this outback. So the idiots there in their parliament passed a law to kill all the feral cats. Hey, go out, poison them. And what did they end up when they uh, killed the feral cats? What did they end up with, Nancy? It was overrun with rats that were starting to infect people. Right, rats, rats <laughs> that were the size of, uh, they, they might as well be like wombats, uh, the size of, it's a protected species there, you know, kangaroos, <laughs> huge. And so we can't do that. And again, we have some good news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was started first by John Katzmatidis when he ran for mayor, first person ever to have a no-kill shelter platform I inherited that when I ran for mayor, although we gathered 25,000 signatures to qualify an animal welfare line. My fellow Republicans knocked us off the ballot. I will never forgive them. I will never forget that. You know how I am, folks. But we have good news. Councilman Robert Holden, who's running for office again, and our candidate to unseat the AOC mini-me, Tiffany Caban in Astoria, have qualified for the first ever animal welfare lines, which have as its basis no-kill shelters like they have in Los Angeles now and in Austin, Texas. So we're getting we're getting a lot closer, Nancy, a lot closer as a result of a lot of people who signed Robert Holden's petitions and uh, signed Kelly Klingman's uh, animal welfare petitions. I mean, and, and it's so important because you just have to force the conversation. It's it, these things are um, completely possible to do, and clearly, most of the you know the voters are on board with it. It's just you need someone to bring forward a lot of these initiatives, and you know I'm sure that this is exactly what's going to happen now. So I'm very happy. Well, there are a lot of calls as there always are during our animal welfare uh, program on Sunday nights, eleven to twelve. You can catch uh, the original programs uh, over a year uh, when you go for your podcast at WABCRadio.com. But let's go to Stan first up from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Stan. Good evening. Let me be a defender of the horse racing industry up to a point and the harness racing industry. I will defend them up to a point. Are you there? Can you hear me? Sure. Loud and clear. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the comments made by your wife is inappropriate because she doesn't know the industries. What you know about dogs, what you know about cats, I give you a thousand percent credit. Okay, what's going on right now? At for example, each state has rules and regulations. Some are more not lax, but don't care. Churchill Downs in uh, in uh, Kentucky is one of those states. What is happening there is, and I asked the question too, why are horses dying in eight or nine at a time? Also remember this. Yesterday, the Belmont Stakes was run. At any given time, on especially a day like that, there are 150 horses on the grounds that will be running that day. 150. Average race has maybe 9, 10, 11 horses. So 150 horses uh, at any given time, and then they have to run and so forth. Yesterday, yes, one or two horses did 
breakdown and so forth. We don't know what it was about. Might have been took a misstep. Could be the course. That's many of the questions people are asking. Are the courses doing it? Or is it drug-related? That's what they will find out. Stan, Stan, you said Nancy didn't know about the industry. I know the industry. I've been <laughs> oh, in the I charge. know it better than you. You, you, okay. you may know, know the, the industry. industry. Well, let me make a comparison. Go ahead. Go we ahead. have track meets all the time. How often do human beings die <laughs> at track meets? Don't compare. What do you mean? Don't problem. compare. You're it's a race. An industry. It's a race. <laughs> these <laughs> these horses exactly. are dying in the middle of the <laughs> race. Yes. You yes, know how horrible happens. it is, Stan? They, they have the ambulance that always follows the horses. They, they cover up when the horse falls. Absolutely. They're Absolutely. suffering. They euthanize them. And then they, they have a, right. a, a, a wench that drags them into the ambulance and takes them away. That is correct. For necropsy. It is a barbarian no, sport, barbaric. Stan. No, they whip the horses. They, no, why do not. they whip the horses, Stan? All right, let, let's let's do harness racing. Let's go. No, 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 no. Forget you and your harness racing. Yeah, the guy can't. He's, he's dealing with a horseman here. I've been in the backstretch. <laughs> I've been in the stables. I I was pro horse racing no, Curtis, until that this. Was a, that was a great point. It's like how many kids would want to join track and field if. Behind every race, there was a, a little uh, car waiting to pick them up. Right, elite <laughs> athletes. Now, when they were riding up, Flojo, remember Flojo, the yes, great? Yes, yes. She yes. died at an extraordinarily early age. She was a magnificent athlete, Flojo. She was from East St. Louis, came from a whole family of track stars. She was roided up. How many athletes, they get roided up, and then all of a sudden they die. It's like in professional wrestling. They die. So why? Because they're using these roids. The science always is ahead of the testing. And these men, and it is a man's sport. There are some women owners. The the winner of the Belmont Stakes was actually trained by a female, but that's a rarity. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. And they want the edge. And I've described before how they'll milkshake a horse. Now, that's the least dangerous, but still it's barbaric. They put a tube down the throat of the horse the day before the race, and they have a mixture of baking soda, Arm & Hammer baking soda. They pump it in the stomach, so it's agitating that poor horse's stomach for like 24 hours. So when they get in the gates and they're ready to run, it actually makes them run faster. And you know why? Because they have a freaking stomach ache, and they're like, they're hurting, and it's like the combination of the jockey with the whip and their stomach, and it gives them like a stride or two more than they would normally have. It is a tainted sport. They are juicing these horses. There's no other excuse that all of these horses are dying now. They're, they're magnificent animals. And look at how big they are in these small piano lakes. They are developing these horses so that they are becoming larger and larger on the same piano legs. When they break their leg, most times they can't fix the horse. They can't repair it, so they kill it. They kill it, and, and the horse is writhing in pain. It's like, yeah, That's why they put the curtains up. They don't want the public to see, and Churchill Downs, they've closed it down. When that horse went down in a preliminary race uh, of the Kentucky Derby before the main race, they were playing Tupac Shakur's California. And afterwards, everybody said, how could you play a rap song or any song while that horse was dying on the track? 
because he was so insensitive to it. They thought that the young people who were there to get drunk drinking mint juleps would welcome, you know, the rap song or any song. How insensitive. Yeah, they didn't want to spoil their, their good time, so just drown it out with the music. And there's no reason they can't shut the industry. We've said that about whales. Uh, with the uh, all the windmills that they're bi- building six miles offshore, Jersey Shore, South Shore, Long Island, and all the whales that are dying, we have said, hey, Murphy, cease and desist for maybe a period of six months. Holcomb, she won't answer, but Murphy said a thousand times no. They're half in a bag jerk. And they, they have no answers. Same thing. They said, well, we don't know why these uh, these horses are dying I mean, at the rate you, they're dying. You, yeah, you would like to think we're a little more enlightened at this point that, you know, we, we don't have to subject other living creatures to our whimsy. But, you know, clearly that's that's what's going on. I mean, and animals aren't protected in any way, shape or form in any other venue. So to think that. You know, there's always this explanation, oh, they're, they're getting treated better than any other horse. It's like, I mean, this is a philosophical argument. None of these animals are going into this willingly. They're being forced into this. So, I mean, it's a very, you know, I, I, if, you're gonna, if you want to gamble on something, they can completely do it without involving living creatures. And that's really what it is. It's just a day out and it's gambling. And look, they gamble on sports and huh. sports athletes. Some of them want the edge because it improves their performance, and then years later, cancer, horrific deaths, early deaths, we say, well, that's wrong, you know, that's wrong, that's wrong. And, again, they say the testing will catch them. Look at Lance Armstrong, right, great bicyclist, Uh, you know, Tour de France, an American had never done that well. It turns out they were all juicing. They were all juicing, blood doping. And you say to yourself, look, these magnificent animals, they have nobody to speak for them. And the whales, they have nobody to speak to for them except for us. And then you have these people who control uh, what's going on, and they won't even temporarily pause. We're not saying do away with the horse racing. We're not saying do away with putting up windmills six miles offshore. But suspend operations, do full tests, full studies, Let's see where it leads us, and then we can make an educated decision. You know, that's exactly what John Katsimatidis wants to do in buying CNN. The other day he said he wants both points of view heard. So you could imagine we could have a discussion about horse racing, which there should be, a discussion about the whales and the windmills, and then the American people would have a chance to hear both arguments and come to their own conclusion. We're not, yeah, and, we're not yeah, getting that. I think that. that's probably what, what's what's most scary to people that you know you would actually hear the the opinion of the public. I mean, that's what needs to be heard. Well, you know, uh, in my arguments, uh, they're saying Democrats are saying, "Oh, that's the Republicans who are you know they they're the ones who want to suspend the windmills because they don't believe in green energy." Well, you know me, I believe in green energy. I'm an environmentalist. I believe in global warming, climate change. But I want those whales saved. And there is a correlation between these windmills and the whales and the dolphins perishing. And they, don't, they won't even consider ceasing putting up the, uh, the, uh, the windmills. And, and I mean, yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a total lack of honesty. I mean, it's, it's clear that this is what's happening. 
And it, it just means that you probably have to do things differently. You have to temper, in, you know, instead of it's the speed with which they're doing it right now. Like, the, again, there's no reason for them to pause, but that's what needs to happen to assess what's going on. And that's how you can actually, you know, work around this and not be so detrimental to to everything that's living in the ocean. But they're not taking the time to consider and to look at the cause and effect because they're pushing through so quickly. Let's go to Jacqueline in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jacqueline. Yes. Yes, we do live in barbaric times and making animals and animal slavery. They're no more than slaves. But I have two solutions. Number one, 60 years ago, Carnation made birth control animal food. It was taken off the market by corporate evil. Now, if we have a birth control abortion pill in the hands of the people for animals, it would cut down on all this evil killing we're doing. Number two, Curtis, um, about the rodent problem in New York. Sense Tech in Flagship, Arizona, a very, very good, big organization company, has made humane birth control for rats, mice, deer, raccoons, etc. It is used in the White House. My question is, we need to bring this to New York. We cannot drown rats like the mayor did and laugh about it. We, it's time for real solutions, and Sense Tech and Flagship Arizona has the real solution. Well, let me, let me, let me, make, my, let me make a suggestion here, Jacqueline. I have mentioned it to many of our men listeners who can't control their carnal urges for years. And there are some listening now, older than I am, remember that if they were in prison or they were in the military, especially in the Army, and they had this urge to merge, without their knowledge, the cooks in the cafeterias that prepared the food, and they had naturally massive vats of it, you know, when you're feeding prisoners uh, and when you're feeding uh, military personnel, they would put in saltpeter, saltpeter, is a form of potassium, sodium nitrate, used for other things. But it definitely would calm a man down. Now, like UFOs, uh, you know, they don't want to discuss, the government doesn't want to discuss UFOs. We know there are UFOs, unidentified flying objects. And every time I bring this up, that saltpeter was used over and over again, it was put in, you know, let's say they were making uh, 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 macaroni. Uh, they would mix it in with the, with the gravy. Whatever it was they were mixing in with the food would have the saltpeter in it. And guys would comment how all of a sudden they'd be on R&R, uh, rest and relaxation, Nancy, and they wouldn't have the urge to merge. They, they couldn't understand why. They thought there was something wrong with them. Maybe they had erectile dysfunction or they just weren't functioning or maybe they were medically ill. And it was the saltpeter. I think we can create that for animals. They all have to eat. Remember, there's one thing that animals have to do, no matter how threatening they be or vicious, is at some point they got to eat. And I think if we were to put good old-fashioned saltpeter modified for these modern times, 
it would act as a uh, birth it would be a birth control to prevent there from being all these unwanted animals that then lead to major major problems i mean it, it really is incumbent upon us to make sure that that happens again especially for all of these animals uh, living outdoors in new york city the feral cats i mean when you, again when you think about the amount of suffering that happens because they're born outdoors, they can't help themselves. It's not their fault. You know, within a few months, 80% of them are going to perish. And it's going to be, I mean, imagine these little kittens are perishing on the street every single day in hundreds of thousands because of this reason. All you need to do, you have to focus on the population control. You can't have them having kittens out of control. You can't have this. I mean, and, and these ridiculous little piecemeal things they're doing trying to stomp on populations here and there. Oh, let's kill some rats here. Oh, let's euthanize some animals in the shelter. It's completely pointless, and it's leading to so much animal suffering. It's ridiculous. We have to focus and reshift our model. Everything, these things can be changed, and we can have these animals living, but we got to focus on spaying and neutering. That's to be prioritized. Look, the, we need to have the files opened up. The government, you know, immediately it stamps files, as we see in this whole process, uh, involving former President Trump uh, and Joe Biden and other electors, you know, top secret, top secret. They, you know, nobody should ever see this. We paid for this stuff. They used Saul Peter on men in the military for years. Men have commented on that in prison. They have commented on that. And they refuse to even discuss it, give us access to files, because I truly believe it would be a much better way of administering birth control to all kinds of animals, rats, cats, horses, you name it, whichever group is in peril because of overpopulation. Anyway, I'm going to pursue that, Nancy. Uh, I'm going to pursue, you know, filing uh, papers, foil acts, so that the government has to release the studies that were conducted with men in the military and prisons uh, that talked about the use of saltpeter in the foods to calm their carnal urges. Uh, I'm patiently waiting. Anyway, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Nancy, to continue the conversation uh, or to get more information, how can they do so? Uh, We can visit uh, guardianangels.org and go to the Animal Protection tab, or you can email me, uh, nancy, at guardianangels.org. Well, up next... Dominic Carter will be in the house, and uh, he's probably happy, along with Broadway Bill Lee, because the state of New York in the legislature is introducing uh, legislation and in our city council in New York for reparations. And it ain't 40 acres and a mule. We're talking big money, huge money, fasools, shamolis, cash on the barrelhead. W-A-B-C